This podcast is for those making bold moves to reverse global warming. We are the Determined Ones, solving humanity's gnarliest challenges. It's a podcast on climate action, the determined mindset, and how standing out helps you make a meaningful impact. Hey Sarah, guess what? What's up, Mark? Do you know what time of the year it is? Mm, July? Yeah. You know what happens in July? No what? We celebrate our anniversary. We have an anniversary? (laughs) Well, the studio does. (laughs) So happy three-year anniversary. Wow. Three years since we started The Determined. Three long and grueling years. (laughs) Looking at your face every day. (laughs) Oh, man. What a journey, huh? Sure. So yeah, let's um let's have a heart to heart about what we've what we've learned over the last year at least, or maybe even three. Some real talk. Sure. Awesome. Uh, we're gonna talk about some hard lessons we've learned, what's been working well, and where we're headed, just to give an idea of how we've navigated entrepreneurship, uh, practicing what we preach sometimes. Yeah, sometimes being successful and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's start with the not. What what has been a hard lesson that we've learned this year? Um, well, the fact that every so often we get asked, so what do you do again? What do you do again? When we meet new people, perhaps they've already visited our website, um, they've seen some of our uh, videos, or just kind of get a sense of what we do, and then yet they still ask us that question. It's so frustrating, especially when, you know, what we help clients with is making their messaging crystal clear. (laughs) That's a big part of it. Um, Sometimes it's the most difficult thing to do when you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. I always joke around. I wish we can clone us for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we do our workshops on ourselves. We crystallize our messaging even further. Um, And then we still get somebody coming in and saying, so what do you guys do again? And I think we're getting better though. Um, Yeah. Every time we iterate, we get a little better. I think one of the hard things that we're struggling with is there's a lot of different things that we can do. Mm -hmm. And we were targeting a lot of different people. Right. So we were working with schools. We teach a class. We were working with nonprofits. We were working with individuals who were bootstrapping. We were working with bigger companies that had innovation labs inside their companies. And that's just like a vast, enormous um, array of target market types. Well, foundations, startups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people. Yeah. So one of the things that we did in our last iteration was narrow it down to just talk to one Uh, target market. And I think that helped a lot. So that's one of the things we tell our clients all the time is, you know, figure out who is your primary target market and write your messaging for them. So yeah, I think it was springtime. You and I had a all day whiteboard session, kind of this come to Jesus moment where we were just like, who are we talking to? What do we offer? And we laid it out on a whiteboard. We had about five different types of clients. Mm -hmm. You know, nonprofits, startups, foundations, accelerators, and universities, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we came up with this like random list of things that we would want to like rate each clientele. <laughs> we had little rating symbols like a smiley face and stars. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Money symbol for budgets. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then we asked the hard question if we had to focus on one client for, say, three months, who would that be? Yep. And so we doubled down on climate startup founders which we have the most access to in our networks, who mm-hmm. we've been talking to the most. They're more risk-taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're early in their in their business, so obviously baking in design and messaging early on would be beneficial for them. And lots of opportunities for innovation, which mm-hmm. we have a lot of strategies for figuring that stuff out. And less chefs in the kitchen mm-hmm. with uh, decision-makers and things like that. Um, and we thought they had a bit more budget 
yeah. than those other clients. That was the one thing that we kept running into over the last few months since we shifted to Climate Startup Founders is nobody has any budget. So, you know, that's one of the things that we want to talk about is like, how can we increase the funding opportunities for these innovative climate startups? Um, we have an event coming up. We had to reschedule it. We tried to do it in July. Nobody's around in July. So we will do that coming up, talking about some creative ideas for getting funding for your climate startup. Yeah, so it's, that's a whole that. nother podcast interview, <laughs> fund, uh, event, things like that. So. Yeah, we'll definitely get back to that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we experimented for about three months. We tweaked our messaging on our website and our social media to, to target specifically climate startups. Uh, we held one of our events um, for climate startup founders and had some pretty good successful um, uh, ideas and, and connections from that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, after this three month or so experiment, we decided maybe these aren't the right people yeah. for now, which is unfortunate. And obviously we would love to help any climate startup founders um, that are um, in the climate space. But yeah, you know, we yeah. have to pay we, the bill. I mean, we learned. We learned that they don't have the budget that we thought they did. Like in our little matrix on the whiteboard, we had lots of smiley faces because we really want to work with these innovative climate mm. startup founders. Um, and we thought that their budgets might be, you know, m middle ground. Like maybe they were getting some seed funding or investor funding or whatever but um yeah so far that has not caught up to where we thought they would be so but to kind of rewind a little bit so when we started to try out this experiment focusing on climate startup founders uh also addressing the what do you do again question uh we came up with this product and maybe sarah you can get into this a little bit more because you're the one that kind of uh came up with the idea based on some of the um, people that you follow personally and professionally online uh, this idea of a package yeah so the idea of um soundcheck is you have a strategy session with us and we are charging $750 for this 90-minute uh, strategy session. can be virtual over the phone. And at the end of it, you'll have a roadmap or a plan of everything that you need to do in your business. So it's, it's very um, flexible as to what problem you're trying to solve. And I think that's part of the problem. Again, we're being super vague because we can solve a lot of different problems. Um, and so soundcheck was a way for us to sit down with somebody and figure out what is the problem you're trying to solve. Okay, here's everything you need to do next, which who wouldn't want that? Like if you feel stuck, mm -hmm. <laughs> who wouldn't want the clarity of a roadmap just with everything laid out for you? Yeah. But so I don't think we want to throw soundcheck away, but I think we need to figure out how to make it more clear because right now it's like anything that you have a problem with, we can solve it. Right. And right. we need to, we need to like really help narrow down on the messaging like what do we actually solve and deliver there yeah yeah so yeah i'm i'm a I would love to explore Soundcheck a little bit more. I think there's something there. And then the upsell would be Amplify, which you can find on our website. So the upsell would be that after this session with us, hopefully, you know, you all, those listening, like us and want to work with us more. And so the upsell would be Amplify, which is which is a bit more of a of a long term engagement, actually making the stuff that we suggest. Yeah. So Soundcheck gives you the plan. You can go off and run with that. That's cool. Or you can um, hire us to execute the plan and we will build a team and put together all the people that you need and project manage it and everything. So to kind of wrap up this section of, of some hard lessons learned, um, yeah, we're going to go back to the drawing board. And uh, just last week, we did a whiteboard session on other types of clients that we can reach out to. So be on the lookout. We're still kind of in the middle of figuring out the second experiment. Um, but yeah, maybe shifting 
to something more positive, Sarah. <laughs> what's been uh, what's been working well for us this this past year? Yeah, so I mentioned our events a little bit. Um, we've been running these Thinking Wrong About Climate Change events where we're uh, starting interesting conversations around climate solutions and basically making lame networking events way better. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there's been a lot of enthusiasm around the events. Um, so that's something that we're going to double down on whenever you feel enthusiasm coming at you from something you're doing. Double down on that. Do more of it. Yeah, and these events are really cool, too. It's, um, we started in September. We launched our first event during the Global Climate Action Summit here in San Francisco. Uh, these events are topic-focused. So we've done events centered around carbon tech, ocean health, uh, climate startup founders, as I mentioned before. And these guided networking events are fun. People show up because they're interested in the topic. Uh, we present the Think Wrong creative process for the first eight or so minutes, kind of explaining the backstory, who we are, how we use the Think Wrong process. And then after that, we encourage the larger group. We have we average about 30, 35 people per event. Uh, we encourage them to get into groups of two or three. And we put one Think Wrong prompt and one question relating to the topic on screen, give them about 10 minutes. They come up with crazy, cool, funky ideas. We have a large share out and then we repeat the same thing with new groups. We do that about two or three times and people love it. And then at the end of this guided networking portion, it's just open mingling and it's been fun. We schedule our events until eight o'clock, mm -hmm. but we have to kick people out by like at nine because they just want to keep talking to people. So we found it very helpful for people to kind of have um, a non-awkward professional meetup where they can exchange information, meet new people in the space. We get to show off our think wrong stuff and our and who we are as people. And we made a number of connections. Yeah. At the end of each event, we ask people to share their biggest insights from the evening. Mm -hmm. And my favorite one, and I always quote this, is a guy just shouted out climate. I go to a lot of climate events and they are not usually this fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, so, nice. And every time we promote one, we get somebody who's not in San Francisco asking if we'll live stream it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, it's just for, you know, people to talk to each other. It'll just be a live stream of people talking. Um, but then that gave us the idea to do a virtual one. And so we did do a virtual one, getting people across coast to coast to talk to each other, which was really cool. Yeah, we did on Zoom. We used the uh, breakout room feature on Zoom, which mm -hmm. is apparently a thing. And it worked really well. So we're hoping to do more of these virtual events uh, in the future. Yeah. So now we're taking the show on the road. Um, we're going to be at a couple of conferences in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, so, we, you know, sign up for our mailing list. We'll send you the details about that. Keep an eye out for announcements and things about the, those. Um, and we're really excited to offer the Thinking Wrong About Climate Change format um, to anyone who wants to get people you know, break the ice, get people mingling. It works really well at the beginning of a conference. Um, it also would work if you are um, in a big company where you have a lot of, you know, teams that don't cross-departmentally collaborate so much and you want to get that more because that breeds innovation. Um, we would love to come and do one of those at your company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so another thing that we tried out this year um I'm going to jump to the podcast because obviously we're recording the podcast right now at, at CCA. So mm -hmm. two things off, off of that. Um, the podcast, it's been on our minds for a good while now. And I remember bringing it up to Sarah once or twice. And I'll be honest, you had a little bit of hesitation. Sure. I mean, a podcast is a ton of work. <laughs> and I think 
you know, when we coach people, we just, we try and, especially with our students, we try and um, coach them away from this. But when it's yourself, like I said, you have, you know, you're your own worst student. Um, but like my vision goes to the polished podcast with intro music and like nicely edited, you know, like I'm talking like a radio lab mm-hmm. quality and we're obviously not there yeah. yet. And so, you, you know, when we, when he first said, let's do a podcast, that's what I envisioned. And I'm like, oh my God, that's going to take so much, you know, we're going to be like full-time podcast producers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 I don't want that either. Uh, you know, let's, let's take a chapter out of our own book. Let's be scrappy. Let's, yeah. let's do it ourselves and just put something out there. And so we did a few episodes um, last year, and then we kind of paused, and then we dusted off that idea again. And I was like, Sarah, let's just hit record, talk, and then hit stop and see what happens. <laughs> and uh, we did an intro, outro, and yeah, we've we've learned a lot. Um, this is, I think, our 10th official podcast now. I think so. Yeah. And so I love it because it's an opportunity for us to share our knowledge. And honestly, it's an opportunity for us to interview some cool people. We have a few people that we've interviewed queued up. Uh, so in the next few weeks, you'll be getting those in your in your feed. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to share really quick, short tidbits of knowledge, whether it's um, the importance of branding, um, why messaging matters, things like that. Yep. And uh, I think... You know, from the interviews that we've done, um, some of the things that have resonated with people, we've learned a little bit more about what resonates with people just through having these conversations. So I'll jump to the next one. We talked about the hope punk thing. Um, I think that was, I mean, it sort of came out of the interview that we did with Raza um, on their podcast. And then we interviewed Jim Giles on our podcast a few episodes ago and talked about hope punk. Um, and like, we got a lot of enthusiasm from that. Just people writing back and being like, oh my God, hope punk is everything. (laughs) Um, so that positive outlook and, um, being more optimistic or the idea that optimism is contagious, uh, is the attitude that we need to bring into solving our climate crisis. We can't solve it in an attitude of fear and impending doom. We need to be able to envision a positive future and fight for that even when things are doomy and gloomy. Yeah, and I feel designers and illustrators and people that can visualize ideas, um, writers even, um, they can create these worlds where we can see us living in harmony with nature. We can see what life could look like if we were to tackle our climate crisis. And so it just, it just adds a fresh perspective to this doom and gloom conversation that we can bombarded with through uh, 24 seven news channels. Mm-hmm. So that I think brings us to um, Mark. I want you to share a little bit about the talk that you gave um, for educating designers. Oh, right, right. So in June, uh, San Francisco has this annual SF Design Week event. It's about a week and a half or so of a ton of events, uh, panels, workshops, uh, lectures, things like that all throughout the city. Um, a lot of design studios uh, hold events. I was asked to be part of an event uh, panel and presentation called Design versus Climate Change. And it was a, it was a great event. It was, it sold out. Um, I put together a short, um, eight minute talk on how we should view climate, our climate crisis, not as a, a versus, not as design versus climate change, but as design and climate change. How can we embrace this thing that is here? 
um, this, this existential threat, how can we brace it and actually create new ideas using design and using creativity to come up with new products, new ways of living. And so I gave a number of examples of existing current products right now that are in the world right now that are addressing our climate crisis. So, um, what did I have in there? I had, um, designer jewelry made out of carbonated concrete. I had, um, lab grown and plant-based meats. Um, I had, what else did I have? I had, um, a, a few clothing items made out of carbon dioxide captured from the air. Um, there's straws that are being made out of seaweed. So addressing our single use plastics, there's diamonds that are actually made out of CO2 from the air. Um, so envisioning this, this future in which new products and services can be created that are using climate as a, as a springboard. Um, and obviously I talked a little bit about the thinking wrong stuff. We have to think wrong to come up with these new products and services. So it was a much more hopeful, uh, positive outlook. And I got a lot of great responses from, uh, the people in the audience. And I would hope to kind of expand on that talk, um, and give it at other conferences, other events, maybe turn it into a medium post. I'm not sure yet, but I, I just feel like what Sarah and I are doing, uh, with our clients and then also with our students, um, is to just really plant the idea that being hopeful and optimism and optimistic is super key in solving this climate crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been teaching at CCA in this social lab class. It's our second year doing that. Um, basically coaching people through in an accelerator style program, uh, how they come up with innovative ideas to make positive change in the world and how they, um, take that idea through to measure impact. So in the course of a short semester, we have to make sure that they are um, hitting on the idea that actually solves the problem and not just still in the middle of iterating and figuring that out. Um, so that's been really cool. And I hope that we get to continue educating the future designers of the world and inspiring them to, you know, go into work in a climate related field or um, take a more environmentally conscious attitude towards whatever field they go into right. using sustainable materials, um, you know, creating a market for carbon dioxide from the air, for example, or um, products made from regenerative farmers, things like that. Yeah. And, and uh, Sarah, you're talking about our um, interaction design grad program class mm -hmm. called Social Lab 2. Um, so this is our second year teaching it, your second year here at CCA. I've been at CCA since, I think, 2013, teaching in the undergrad graphic design department. And yeah, I... Ever since I started working here, I bring in my work into the classroom. I'm not trying to get on a soapbox and tell all of my students to work on social impact or climate-related um, projects, but I want to expose them uh, to the fact that what they can do can address these big, gnarly challenges, specifically climate change. Um, and to kind of go back to the talk that I gave at SF Design Week, as well as um, our, our work here at CCA, I'm kind of noodling on this this new kind of title, I guess, or this new thing to call someone like us, I guess, climate designers. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something there to this where you have individuals, regardless of if you're a graphic designer, a front-end developer, visual designer, UX designer, um, perhaps we don't need those specific titles anymore. Maybe a climate designer can be what we call ourselves and then what we do within that is whatever it is we're, we do, whatever skill sets that we have. But I think there's something interesting about climate designers. You kind of put a flag in the ground. People know what you're working on right from the start. Um, so it's something that I'm 
wanting to push out there into um, into the design space, uh, see if it sticks. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's something there's a nice ring to that, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, we I think we need more climate designers out there, people that are using their talents to address our climate crisis, whether it's in food, water, whether it's um, yeah, creating a whole new market from captured CO2. Um, I think there's so much potential. And again, I feel like designers are some of the best people that can step up and be on the front lines in addressing our climate crisis. Yeah. So that gets us into where we're going next after reflecting on this last year and uh, what's been, you know, not going so well and then what's been going really well and getting more enthusiasm around it. We definitely want to be having more of these interesting climate conversations. Um, kind of a goal to talk about climate change more, remove the taboo that people feel around um, you're not supposed to talk about climate change. Or like we were talking to somebody, um, or maybe I was listening to a podcast, but basically the quote was, climate change is a ratings killer. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> I think that was in a podcast that you sent me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like this taboo or something around talking about climate and we want to remove that and make you know, back to the optimistic hope punk thing would make people feel good talking about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to inspire more people to work on climate solutions, um, regardless of what industry, what field you're in, because uh, climate affects everything. And so how can we inspire as many people as possible to, even if, it, if it's not full-time work, just part of your work, addressing um, any sort of um, climate angle, uh, I think would be beneficial. And obviously we want more designers and creative professionals working on climate solutions as well. You know, um, being at CCA, we have an amazing opportunity to reach young people and to expose them to what, what it is that they can do once they graduate. And <laughs> we kind of joke around, but, uh, this is, this is true though. We want climate organizations to be multi-billion dollar companies. We want them to be, uh, more financially supporting, supportive, culturally, socially. Uh, I don't know why we are celebrating a lot of these other companies for doing okay work, I guess. But what would it, I mean, imagine if we were to put the spotlight on these organizations that are addressing climate. And what if we were to treat them as, as celebrity rock stars? Yeah, I have this vision of like challenging every climate organization to go out and launch with a bang as if they were a tech startup. What would a tech startup do to launch and win money? Mm -hmm. You know, they would throw a crazy event. They'd give away waffles or something stupid. <laughs> and um, Free waffles. Get a bunch of free press, and then investors would come knocking down their door. Like, let's do it. So that is pretty much uh, what we want to do next. More of the same. So more of this. And, um, yeah. To wrap it all up... Um, I think the thing about entrepreneurship that we keep learning over and over and over is that you have to be willing to try things and experiment. Try small things, run an experiment, and be willing to let it go if it doesn't work so that you can learn from that and improve. And if something does um, gather some enthusiasm, then double down and do more of it. Uh, another thing about this whole journey is putting yourself out there even if you don't feel ready yet. I told a student the other day, the only way that you're going to feel ready is by putting yourself out there and you're not going to feel ready to put yourself out there. So you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that goes for us too, you know, with releasing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that I got from an old colleague of mine, um, 
breaking things down into smaller bets. So putting out a tiny version of something of your grand vision and see if it floats, see if it works. And so that could mean, for example, like for us, the small bet for the podcast was let's just buy a, a relatively cheap mic um, on Amazon. Uh, let's queue up three episodes, write out three outlines for three episodes, and then schedule some time in a soundproof booth here at CCA and knock out all three and release them and see what people think about them. Yep. That was a small bet. That was 100 bucks and about a grand total of two hours worth of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one other thing that um, has been hugely beneficial, and we tell our students to, to do this all the time, we finally did this to ourselves like last week, but ask yourself regularly, what is the change you want to bring about in the world? So if we want to catalyze a massive shift in our culture towards supporting climate solutions financially and socially, we need to prioritize what we're doing based on making that change. So definitely more podcast episodes, and it changes a lot of the things that we um, spend our time doing, knowing that that's our, our focus. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing to check in regularly so that any new idea, any new thing that we do, any new podcast, event, uh, even a client meeting or a potential client meeting, we can always run it through that filter. Is this going to catalyze a massive shift towards supporting climate solutions? Yeah. Yes or no? Boom. So I feel like this is getting to be one of our longer episodes. We've been trying to keep them to 20 minutes. Um, so We're at 26. All right, let's wrap this up. So <laughs> we'd love your help. Um, we want to start more of these climate conversations out there in the world. So if you run a program at an accelerator or a school, or if you manage a team within a large organization looking to create innovative design strategies for climate solutions, or just like want to start talking about climate sustainability, whatever, more, um, let's chat. Get in touch with us. Our website is thedetermined.co. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thanks. If you are one of the bold rebels building a product that addresses our climate crisis, we can help you set yourself apart and amplify your climate impact. You can learn more about us at thedetermined.co. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast, feel free to share.